Imperial Media presents The Brooke Taylor Show Encounter, Adventure, Evangelize And now your host, Brooke Taylor Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program Hello, my name is Brooke Taylor With you back after a little family sabbatical To visit relatives in Florida It's been a really long time Since all seven of us packed up and traveled The last few years my son has been in army training And somehow in those years Kids have gotten bigger and taller and busier, and the family trips are really a rare treat, obviously, particularly coming off of a year of pandemic as well. But travel is our theme today. We are on our Lenten pilgrimage now. In fact, we are so near to Jerusalem as we anticipate the palm branches and the crowd shouting Hosanna in the highest, then the passion narrative that will bring us into Holy Week. And so after having just taken this trip, I kept thinking about those parallels and how travel is such an extraordinary teacher. And I'll get into this during our interview, but it forces you to be present. And when that happens, there's a joy, there's a beauty, but I also rediscovered there's a sorrow there and it's sacred. We're preparing for our upcoming Arise Retreat. I kept going back to that as well as a similar parallel. So all of these things converge and we are going to touch on those aspects with my guest today, but also the nuts and bolts of travel after having dealt with COVID for the last year, what we need to know going forward, when things will actually reopen around the world, and how we may be best prepared. So let's jump into that now. Without question, one of the hardest hit sectors during the pandemic was the travel industry. Hospitality, airlines, hotels, restaurants, tourist sites, holy sites. So now we are re-emerging, we're rebuilding from that devastation. People are ready to travel and this is such good news. This is a message I think that's been coming through loud and clear. And while it's fantastic, it's still important to kind of unpack because things are still weird, for lack of a better word, because changes are happening every week, particularly when you look at international travel. And so to get us up to speed with the latest in travel and the landscape for the year ahead is my guest today. She is the founder and president of Select International Tours, also our program sponsor and an industry leader in pilgrimages in sacred travel. And that is my friend Adita Krunik. Welcome to the show, Adita. Thank you, Brooke. It's really an honor to be on your show. This is a big deal. I I can't tell you how happy I am that we're at this point, that we're ready to talk about travel again. I want you to take us behind the curtain because you have been seeing in the last year all the traffic coming to your website. I want to just start with that. What are you seeing in terms of interest in travel? 2020 was supposed to be the greatest and the best year in travel in general, but also in pilgrimage travel. And 2020 was supposed to be a banner year for us for several reasons. People were very comfortable with traveling internationally, and we had some special events going on in 2020 that do not happen every year, including the Passion Play in Germany, which takes place every 10 years. So people dream of going to the Passion Play for 10 years. We had over 1,800 tickets. All of our departures were sold out. And then uh, beginning of March last year, it all came to a grinding stop because of the pandemic. Israel was the first country. Holy Land was the first country that shut down. So we were scrambling to figure out what was happening and there was no roadmap. Nobody was able to tell us what was gonna happen in the next three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. So it was a, it was really based on a gut feeling. 
we, we were just going on a gut feeling like, what do we think is going to happen? And what do we need to do to keep the pilgrims safe? As devastating as 2020 was with as you painted the picture, all of this excitement and all of this interest in international travel, then to see that taken away, we lost so much in 2020. However, I think the beautiful thing is those moments remind us of what our priorities are and what we love. What? How blessed are we to be able to travel at all anywhere? And so I'm curious, what are people looking at as far as travel? And I know at, at the end of the show, I want to come back to Oberammergau, which is Germany, the passion play that you touched on. We're going there next year. It is difficult to articulate how beautiful that destination is, not just there, but the other locations that we're going to be traveling to. But you travel all over the world with the pilgrimages that you organize and the tour leaders that you work with, what are you seeing in terms of interest? Well, we're seeing a lot of interest in travel to the Holy Land. And it's interesting that Israel was the first country that shut down, and it is the first country that is opening up. So we are expecting Israel to open up in April because they have committed to vaccinating most of their population by the end of March. Tourism is one of their top five economic branches, and they realize how important it is to the economy and the well-being of the country. And it is certainly very, very crucial to the Christians of the Holy Land. So Israel is working very hard on getting everyone vaccinated, especially those people that are working in the travel industry. So the service providers, the guides, the bus drivers, the hotels, the staff in the hotels, restaurants, and so on, so that they can well, they can open up and they can welcome pilgrims in April. But we're not going to run any trips until we are 100% sure that the destination is ready to receive pilgrims. So that's one of the things that people need to understand because we get a lot of questions. Is it safe? Mm -hmm. We're not going to run trips until it is safe. I can attest to that because we were actually one of the last, if not the last group out of the Holy Land before everything shut down. It was interesting because it was very intensely unfolding along our pilgrimage. In fact, when we were in the Dead Sea, at the very last minute, there was a change to switch our hotel. And this is why I tell people, you're also in really good hands should anything happen. And so this is what I love and what I so stress about going with a tour because all of those details are already covered. And so I think now more than ever, this is a very real illustration of that. And I have a lot of questions about that. It appears that we're moving in this direction of full-scale global reopening, but there's a lot of speculation still swirling and things are changing by the week. But we're hearing about having a vaccination passport. You have to have the vaccine. It has to be proven to enter a country. Negative COVID required tests for some before entry. And again, it could vary from country to country. So this is challenging, but what can you tell us about what we do know right now? Well, there's so much misinformation out there. And so I am encouraging everyone who is thinking about travel in general, whether it's domestic, to see family and friends or traveling on business or you know, going to a domestic destination on vacation or whether it's an international destination on a pilgrimage to do their research and look at different sources because there is a tremendous amount of 
misinformation and fake news out there. The misinformation is so it, it is so frequent. It focuses on self-interest rather on the greater good. And so I encourage people to call us to look at different, you know, CDC and not just CDC, but many different resources to get their information. So here are a couple of things. For instance, in Israel, we know that they have committed to vaccinating their population by the end of March. It's not mandatory vaccination. It is voluntary vaccination. Now, Israel is issuing a vaccination passport. So when you get vaccinated, when you get your dose, most of the the vaccinations they have there are Moderna or Pfizer, you will get a passport, which means you can travel. And it just eliminates any kind of fear that people have. However, vaccination is not mandatory. To come That's to really the, important. Yes. So to come to the Holy Land, you do not have to be vaccinated. Now, Europe is not opened up yet for American travelers. However, the European Parliament voted on a measure that says no mandatory vaccination for Europeans or international travelers. So this whole rumor that you will have to be vaccinated to travel internationally is a falsehood. That is not the case at this time. I don't think our country will be mandatory. There will be mandatory vaccination, but certainly there won't be any on international uh, for international destinations. So a lot of people are hearing information that you have to be vaccinated to travel. You do not. That is not the fact. However, The fact is that most countries are requiring a PCR test at least two or three days before arrival, and that PCR test has to be negative, and you have to show proof of the PCR test. The PCR test, as you know, is just a test that you take that shows that you are not infected with COVID. Now, we also need to have a PCR test a negative PCR test when we're coming back into the U.S. And international destinations are gearing up for this. For instance, Israel has PCR testing at the airport. They have testing at the hotels in place. They also have testing at various medical facilities. So we have so many choices. We have chosen not to have our pilgrims tested at the airport. We just don't feel comfortable with this last minute testing. So our pilgrims are being tested at least 24 or 48 hours before they depart Israel to come home. And if there is someone in the group that has a positive test, we have taken measures for them to be quarantined and for the travel insurance company to cover all of their costs. So we have procedures and steps in place. Now, again, international travel has not opened up yet. Israel is expected to open up in April. Europe is expected to open up May or June. So things are still fluid. Very busy putting putting procedures in place. So nobody's winging this. You know, everybody is really focusing on taking precautions and putting procedures in place and making sure that the pilgrims are safe and that they are not being inconvenienced. A practical question then, that is an extra added expense, right? That COVID expense before we leave and before we come back. Is that correct? 
Yes, and so this is one of the reasons that we recommend that all of the passengers that are traveling take out travel protection insurance. While this is an added cost to the trip, it is just buying peace of mind. And you may never actually need to utilize this travel insurance. However, if you do need to use it, it is there for your protection. In fact, going back to Israel and and the Holy Land, they are mandating that people have to have travel protection to come into Israel. They have to have proof of travel that they purchase travel protection, which I think is a great idea because it's not only in case you have to cancel a trip. It's also because you want to be protected completely in case your luggage gets delayed or lost, in case there is a trip delay, in case you get injured while you're traveling, in case you have to be quarantined before you come back. If you have the right travel protection, it is really worry-free. I read an article that more people are trending toward longer time off, like two-week trips, which has not been seen in a really long time because we just haven't had time to take that long of a vacation with such intense schedules. But like a lot of traumatic things, which this pandemic was for all of us, it wakes you up to the most important things, the priorities that matter. A lot of people also have learned to shift into remote working. So not that we would ever recommend working remotely while being on pilgrimage, but I'm saying that it's interesting that all of a sudden now people are able to find two weeks or or 10 days and realize the importance of that. And I was looking, the list is so long, but I was looking at some of the healing benefits of travel. Psychologists say, this is proven, that pilgrimage or trips in general can be very healing. One of the things, it forces you to be present in the moment. It shifts your mood, not just during the actual trip, but of course, leading up to it. We've all had that. We're anticipating the journey. And pilgrimage, I think, is a whole other level of healing because it's the fusion of our faith and our travel, being drawn deeper, being challenged, being awakened. And that really is where transformation happens. It helps us face our fears, which again, I've talked about as an introvert, this has been one of the biggest areas of depth and growth for me. And it cultivates gratitude. Traveling cultivates gratitude. And so I just wanted to ask about that because traveling really is a force for good and particularly pilgrimage. So maybe if you could explain a little bit of the practical why that is. Economically, we know, we know it's important, but also spiritually and psychologically. Yes, so one of the reasons that I decided to focus on pilgrimage travel was because of the experience that I personally had when I visited Medjugorje, and that is how Select International Tours was founded. When pilgrims travel to the Holy Land, everyone has that incredible connection with the Holy Spirit, and I call that our aha moment, and it happens on every single trip. It happens when the Lord wants us to have this special moment. And I can attest to it from personal experience. Just a very brief story. A few years ago, I was traveling with a large group and we were um, going on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I was very busy because we had four buses at the time. So as the pilgrimage coordinator, you know, you're, you're focused more on making everybody feel comfortable and taking care of all the details than you are on your spiritual enrichment. So I was running around between the buses, making sure everything's working out and so on. 
And so the last day of the pilgrimage, we are in Encarim, the birthplace of St. John the Baptist. It is the last mass of our pilgrimage. And I am standing in, in the back of the church as we're celebrating mass. And I'm thinking to myself, huh, this is very unusual because I didn't have that special moment which I've had on 27 other trips that I've taken to the Holy Land. And then I said, that's okay. You know, this was this trip wasn't about me. It was about other people and it's fine. But I just noted that. Okay. Well, sure enough, about 15 minutes later, I just start crying. My tears were just coming down. I'm shaking and sobbing. And they're, they're not tears of sorrow, Crook. They're te- you know this because you've experienced this. They're tears of joy. And I'm now I'm a little bit embarrassed because the whole church is like, what is Adita doing back there, right? And I think, and I thought to myself, this is it. This is it. And so this is what I'm talking about because I didn't think it was going to happen on this particular pilgrimage because I was so distracted. I was so busy. But I, I think that the reason that I chose to focus on pilgrimage travel over 30 years ago was because I saw firsthand the impact that pilgrimage travel has on people. Going back to your moment at the back of the church, it reminds me of that first point. Again, the healing nature of pilgrimage, it forced you to be present in the moment because it sounds like at that exact second you were present and just that rush of encounter which does happen and i warn people when they go to the holy land that it is my favorite destination and it's interesting to see how many repeat pilgrims come back but i know it's just one of many that select international covers and it's been really fun working together curating some incredible pilgrimages although last year we were scheduled to go to ireland obviously that didn't happen in 2020 but in addition to the holy land our tour at the end of october we are also going to oberammergau germany which is a new destination for me and you touched on it in the opening of the show this once every 10 years world famous passion play can you give us the scoop on that So there's there's this little village in Bavaria. Bavaria is the Catholic part of Germany. And this little village called Oberammergau, which is beautiful. And everyone knows the village because of the famous paintings that they see on the houses, actually puts on the Passion Play every 10 years. And the entire village participates in this Passion Play. And so it starts in um, around two o'clock in the afternoon and it goes in, until 10 o'clock at night with a two hour break for dinner. It is visually incredibly well staged and beautiful. It is in German, but we all know the story and people who have been just say this is one of the greatest experiences of their lives. Now the play was supposed to happen in 2020 and tickets are very coveted, very expensive, and very hard to find. So for the Passion Play in 2020, we bought the tickets two years in advance. And Select International had about 
1,800 or 2,000 tickets. They were all sold out. But because of the pandemic, the Passion Play was postponed to 2022. And by the way, this is interesting because the history of the Passion Play goes back to the plague and their village being spared. So was it the 17th century? Yes. Now, during the plague in Europe, when Europe was completely devastated, this little village in Germany, the elders of the village got together. They prayed to the Lord and Jesus Christ, and they said, Dear Lord, if you spare our village from this pandemic, we promise that we will honor you in a way that the whole world will know about you. And the village was spared. The village was actually spared. No one in that village died. And all the surrounding villages in Germany in the, in the area had devastating losses of life, but Obramaga was spared. So they did what they promised. They put on a play every 10 years. This is now a 400 year old event. So I thank you for agreeing to host a pilgrimage to the Passion Play. You have limited space also on that trip. I do. And I think for the pilgrims that are looking to travel to Europe, this is going to be one of those exceptional trips in 2022 because it will not be repeated again for another 10 years. And it's in June, a beautiful time. Yeah. to travel and we'll be going in addition to Oberammergau, we'll be going to Munich, we'll be going to Lourdes, Paris with our spiritual director, Brother John Michael Paul. The information is on my page as well as Select International Tours, the the website. I'm thinking about all of this stimulus money that people are getting and thinking though how it could infuse Again, going back to travel is a force for good because you're supporting the economy and our Christian faith. When we were looking at what we're getting back, we said, well, maybe we should put this toward pilgrimage because it is a form of tithing for us. We're supporting the Christians in the Holy Land. We're supporting the Christians through sacred travel, as well as edifying our own spirit, our family, our bond. And one amazing example of that is what you do through your work in charity that you founded, Select to Give. Maybe you could describe about that because I know right now, if you sign up, what you're doing is taking $50 towards women empowerment programs for Christian women in the Holy Land. Yes, I know you've done your research and you've looked at many different travel companies and there are many choices out there. And I think one of the reasons that you have chosen to work with Select International Tours was because we have a foundation called Select to Give. It it is a 501c3, so it is a registered and approved uh, nonprofit foundation that helps the Christians of the Holy Land. And the reason that I started this foundation back in 2014 was because I personally was impacted on a trip to the Holy Land by an encounter uh, with a, a Christian woman from Bethlehem who told me how blessed I was to have choices, to have life choices, and how limiting their life was, and how they had only limited choices. And I I wanted to learn more, so I did. We're we're looking at population that was predominantly Christian 50 years ago, that it now is less than 2% of the population. And when I thought that we would have the Holy Land, the land of our faith and, and, and Jesus Christ, uh, without any Christians, I just I just couldn't accept that. So I thought, I have to do something, even if it is something small, 
I think is going to impact people's lives. And what we do is we help educate the kids and keep them in Catholic schools. So we are actually sponsoring about 80 children now in Nazareth, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem. We're also helping uh, Christian women start their business also helping Christian families just survive because last year has been devastating. There has been no ability to earn any income. And for Chris, we had a huge fundraiser last fall. And I thank you so much, Brooke, for being a part of that fundraiser and for helping out. Uh, We raised over $80,000 and that money actually went to the Christian families. They got this money before Christmas. A monthly salary for a Christian family in Bethlehem, for instance, is $500, $500 per month. And this is, you know, a family of four or five people. This is what they survive on. Now, if you're living in Israel, Israelis were giving uh, assistance okay, to their citizens, just like we have unemployment. They had mm-hmm. unemployment. And of course, that's never enough, but it's something. In Palestine, where Bethlehem is located, they had nothing at all. So for over a year, they actually had no income. So we were able to at least help a little bit just before Christmas by giving 500 to over 100 Christian families, $500, to make their just their Christmas uh, more joyful. So many families wrote to us and said, you know, this is not going to be used for gifts. This is going to be used to buy food, to pay for their electricity bills, to pay for their water bills. It it really means a lot to us that we can do this, but we can only do this through the support of people like yourself and the pilgrims who've traveled with you and pilgrims who've been on other trips that we have. It is a foundation that sends 100% of the donations that we receive to the Christians because we do not have any overhead. Our staff is completely volunteer-based and all the money goes to support education, orphanages, children with learning disabilities, and families directly. There's also, as you mentioned, uh, Steps for Autism, a school that supports and educates children with special needs, particularly autism. And you had shared a story that because of everything last year, they really were struggling to keep their doors open. But because of what was given to them through Select to Give, they were able to maintain that school, which is incredible. I I don't know that people realize how close people are to the edge there and how important this is. There's so much good as as we've talked about in in the last podcast. One of the things that I talked about with my guest was resurrection graces. We have gone through a year of a lot of loss, a lot of grief. Now comes the resurrection, the rebuilding. And part of that is the gift of pilgrimage. Our Lenten pilgrimage teaches us. We learn penance, prayer, fast, the graces that come then on Easter Sunday with the resurrection. When we take a physical pilgrimage, we go through so much and we are drawn deeper into such a profound encounter, whether we're going to Germany or whether we're headed to the Holy Land, but then to also see how Select to Give multiplies that and magnifies that through Select to Give is is pretty extraordinary. So thank you for the time with us today and also getting us prepared. I think that helps a lot too, just to kind of know what's coming. It's really helpful to know about the tests and what each country is doing and at least where we are at the moment. So God bless you. Thank you for all you do. And I know we can connect with you at the Select International website. 
Thank you so much, Brooke. This has been a wonderful honor and a pleasure. And that I hope that your listeners have a chance, if not in 22, but in the future to go on one of your pilgrimages. It is really an incredible life-changing experience. And we can toast in in some exotic locale. That's my dream. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again to my friend, Adita Krunik. Again, selectinternationaltours.com is the website. So find me, Brooke Taylor, under the group leader category. You can take a look then at the upcoming trips for this year and next year, including that enchanting trip to Oberammergau, Germany, that once in a decade passion play. But again, space is limited. And we do also have two trips to the Holy Land between this year and next year. God bless you as you journey here and now closer to Jerusalem, to Palm Sunday, to Holy Week, as we ready our hearts for the graces of the Holy Triduum, culminating in the greatest feast mankind has ever known, the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Also, a big thank you to my producer, Mark Cumming, for his dynamic skills and quick work. Mark is a producer extraordinaire. So for any audio visual needs you may have, check him out at comminghomestudio.com. Until next time, peace and love.